Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Um, but this morning we are going to as kind of carry on from where we were last week, really. For those of us that were here, um, I'm going to remind you what we talked about. And for those of you that weren't here, I'm going to fill you in so you can catch up quickly. Just a bit of context around what we're, what we're talking on today. So the, the, the title last week was, Are Your Ears Connected to Your Heart? So we were looking at uh, the parable of the sower. And when we were looking at Looking at it, we were, we were addressing how it is possible, it seems, from this passage that, it, that we can hear with our ears, but that we don't hear with our heart. Jesus said in that parable, he who has ears, let him hear. And he was kind of addressing that you can hear, you can come to all the church talks, listen, read your Bible, podcasts, DVDs, whatever you want to do, you can hear it, you can read it, but it is possible, more than possible, happens quite regularly that we can hear, but it actually has no bearing on our heart. So in the parable, it talked about seed, a farmer that was sowing seed, and some fell on the path where it just got taken by the birds, some fell on the rock where um, it didn't have any depth to the soil, so as soon as life got a bit difficult, um, it, it just it went, it didn't survive. We talked about the thorns, um, where some seed manages to take root, but it grows alongside the thorns or the worries, the concerns of this life, and it can choke it can choke what grows um, and, and stop it from being fruitful. And then finally, Jesus talked about the good soil. When seed falls in good soil, um, that there is, um, it can produce a crop, that there is stuff that stems from that. There is fruit that happens when seed or when God's word goes into good soil in our heart. So the four points that we looked at last week, last week there were four things um, that we kind of broke this down to. First of all was that we need to keep our hearts soft. It's so important that if we want to hear God's word, we need to make sure that our heart remains soft. We talked about how easy it is in life for for whatever reason, whether it's pride, whether it's bitterness, anger, frustration, all kinds of reasons that our heart can become hard where we just, it's not ground where God's word can really go deep into. It's just hard. It's like a seed sat on top of hard soil where it can't go deep inside and it would just get taken away and we won't see any fruit. So keep your heart soft. The second point was that we need to grow deep roots. The problem with the, the seed that fell on the rock was that it couldn't grow deep roots. So it just got taken away. So we need to make sure that we are plugged into church and plugged into um, the community, fellowship, into reading God's word, into worshipping, all these things that we do, which means that we have got deep roots and that we can actually survive when times get hard. And that's, again, that's not a when, it's not an if, it's a when, because that will happen. So we need to make sure that we have deep roots. The third point that I made last week was that we need to make sure that we keep our focus so we said about how the thorns can come and they can choke. They try to take the life out of what, is, what was growing, but with worries of this life, uh, the concerns, um, career, finance, family, health, all these kinds of things, with all the stuff that happens in life, if we're not careful, if we don't have our focus on Jesus, then so easily we can just get choked up in all of those things and it prevents, again, fruit from happening. 
So saying this is all about our heart and it was all about Jesus wanting to see life in us, wanting to see fruit in us. And then finally, the final point when it talked about the good soil was that we need to flourish. And just we talked about the, the potential that there is in a room like this of, of, the, of just the potential when we flourish and when we grow, what can come from it. It talks about in the passage a crop, 60, 70, 80, 100 times what was sown. And how when we flourish, when we're in good soil and we can flourish, amazing, amazing things can happen in our heart, in our life, in our church, in this city, in this country, in this, in this world. But it needs us to have good soil. It needs our heart to be soft so that God can actually um, work on our heart. So that when we hear talks like we're going to hear today, when we read our Bibles, all the things that we do, it means that we're not just listening with our ears or reading with our eyes, but it actually affects our heart. So today we're going to carry on asking the same question. Are your ears connected to your heart? Are your ears connected to your heart? And one of the things that I want to focus on this morning is... um, I'm going to look at the kind of attention that we have sometimes. I did, I did this last week when we talked about um, how sometimes when you see people come to know Jesus, they might come, they might be enthusiastic, they might bring their friends, their family, but as soon as life gets hard, then you don't see them for a while. And sometimes I was talking about how we can be left thinking, well, how does this make sense? If God really is that good and that big, then, then how can that be possible? But we're just saying about how Jesus you know, said that this will happen. It's quite normal so that we shouldn't be, we should be, um, it should break our hearts, I think, when this happens, but it shouldn't surprise us when it happens. But I'm going to look at a similar kind of tension uh, this week um, in around the kind of the theme of when we hear God's word, like we're hearing it today, when we're reading God's word, um, when we, you know, all the different ways that we try and fill our mind and our heart with God's word, how it can be that sometimes, right, sometimes I will read my Bible, I'll go home, I'll, I'll read my Bible, and sometimes, a lot of the time, in fact, it is like such life to me. Sometimes we read our Bible and there's been times where there might have been something going on in my life and I just came across a scripture that just gave me such encouragement, that gave me such hope and it was like, oh, thank you Jesus for your word. It kind of changes my day, changes my outlook and it's wonderful and it's fantastic. There are times though, and we talked about this before, but there are times when we read our Bible where you kind of think, well... Right, I need to go and get some breakfast now, then, don't I? Like, there's nothing. Sometimes I read my Bible. I hope it doesn't sound too awful to say. There are times when I read my Bible, and there isn't anything that's like shooting off the page at me, something completely inspiring which affects the whole way that I view everything throughout the day. There are times when I read my Bible where it kind of feels like, right, I've read my Bible. I didn't really understand a lot of what I just read. I don't really know how to apply that, but I've read my Bible nonetheless. So sometimes what we think, and none of us would probably ever say this, but I think the reality of how we behave says that what we actually think is that, well, you know, if God were really that good and that big, if he wanted to talk to me, you know, he'll do it. It's fine. I'll just skip the Bible today. It doesn't matter, you know, because I read it yesterday and there was nothing particularly that inspired me. So maybe I'll just leave the Bible today and I'm just going to chill this evening because I've had a hard day. This kind of thinking can creep in sometimes and why it can be so difficult for us sometimes to read the Bible because it can be 
I hope it's not just me. I hope, I hope I'm not the only one that sometimes it's really hard to read the Bible. Sometimes you think, why am I not engaging with this? Is, it, am I, am I, is, is there a problem with me? Am I just some sort of horrendous sinner more than anyone else? And um, I've got, it's not working. Am I, is my understanding wrong? What, what, it could be all kinds of things and you get in your head a little bit. But today I want to like address that just a little bit of why it can be difficult sometimes when we want to hear God's word. Why it can be difficult for it to go from our ears to our heart. I want to look at why God didn't just make us where it was the same thing. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? Can you imagine everything we ever heard? Everything of all the talks you might have sat through at church, all the times you read the Bible, if every time that just went straight from your ear to your heart, oh, it'd be wonderful. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? But that's not the way God has made us. That's not the way God has, um, has, has that's not the way that God has built this to work. So we're going to look a little bit at that this morning. We're going to look at another parable uh, that's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It's, just a, it's three scriptures I think we're reading this morning. It's actually two different parables, but they're really quick. It's titled in my Bible, The Parables of the Hidden Treasure and the Pearl. So first of all, verse 44 of Matthew 13. So this is Jesus speaking, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Then there's another parable straight after it, really similar, but a little bit different as well. It says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and he bought it. Okay, so these parables are very similar in the sense of it tells a story of a man who found something of worth and in order to to, to have that for himself, he had to go away. He sold everything that he had so that he could have that treasure for himself. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. We talk about the kingdom just really, really, really briefly. We're talking about um, the kingdom of God, the, the culture of God, about, um, you know, depending on the government that is in, in a country, it will affect the culture of that country. So the, the culture of the kingdom of God is one of hope. It's one of joy. It's one of peace. It's one of love. It's one of forgiveness. It's, that's the, the kingdom of God, and that's what it's like. In order to, to, to have that stuff, this is what you need to do. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like a man that found the treasure and he had to sell everything so that he could actually acquire it and have it for himself. The difference between the two parables here is that in one of them, the man was um, looking for treasure. He actually went out and he was looking for the, the pearl, I think it is. And he was looking for it. He was intentfully doing it. The other parable, it's, a, it's very similar, but the difference is that he stumbled across it. So some of us in the room this morning, some of us... Um, found Jesus, we found, um, we were introduced to Jesus because um, we stumbled across it. Maybe we grew up in a, in a, in a, in a household where we were, um, read the Bible, went to church. Maybe you, you, that wasn't for you, but maybe you were invited one day to church and you had not really thought much about it, but you came and then suddenly you were challenged and you decided that you wanted to follow Jesus. Others of us, that wasn't the case. We felt something in us that was like, I'm missing something. There's got to be something more. And you set out on a, on a quest to search and to 
find what you were looking for. Which either one we are is fine, because this morning we're all here, which is great. But what we need to do, what we learn first of all from this parable, is that we need to look for God's word. We need to look for God's word. And that's my first point this morning. We need to look for God's word. We need to be seeking and searching after God's word. When we first become a Christian, this might be different if we've grown up in church, but when someone first becomes a Christian in the church, what we do, and this is, this is good and this is right, what we do often is we might put them on a little, like a course, or they, they meet up with someone for the first you know, few months, weekly or something, where we kind of go through you know, real kind of key fundamentals of the Bible and um, different things like that. I think it's the steps, what was it called? First steps, we do first steps course, and it's brilliant because um, as someone, when they first find Jesus, we go, we go through these things step by step by step by step, just to give them a really good grounding, and that's healthy, and that's good, and that's right that we do that. But there are t- there's a time that comes at some point when you've been a Christian, I don't know, a year, two years, where to be a mature Christian that is really going for it and wants to follow Jesus we need to be able to feed ourselves a little bit and not always rely on these bite-sized little chunks that are passed to us. That's brilliant for those courses or different times in life we might need that. But generally, there's a time where we need to grow from that, where we learn to feed ourselves a bit more. So when I was um, young, when I was a kid at home, my mum cooked for me every single day of my life. I've got two older brothers and my dad, so there were four of us males that my mum somehow had to figure out how to keep full. So she cooked, you know, every single day I had a meal on the table. I never really doubted it. I, you know, it's, it's dinner time and I ate my food. I ate it day in, day out, day in, day out. There was a time though when I got my own plate or I lived by myself for the first time and I realised... I don't need, I don't know how to cook. I haven't got a clue. What am I going to do? So for the first little while there, I lived on um, a mixture of, well, I, I tell you what, my repertoire was beans on toast, egg on toast, and toast. Right, they were my three specialities. Right, and then I branched out a little bit, and I discovered freezer meals where I could buy like something which just had no preparation involved. Whack it in the oven. Twenty minutes later, I've got some food. So I did that for a little while. Sophie, stop laughing, please. Um, and then, <laughs> and then. I also, what I also did, I wasn't completely unhealthy, don't worry. I also had salad sometimes because I realized you don't need to cook a salad. There's nothing that can go wrong. So I made like the most basic, boring, bland salad you've ever seen in your whole life. But that kind of kept me alive a little bit. But then I remember there was one time... And I think, it was, I think it was for Valentine's Day when I was going out with Sophie. And I thought, I need to learn how to cook, really. This is getting silly. So I, I bought myself a book. It was Jamie Oliver's Ministry of Food, which has just got all these proper, kind of solid, proper English, you know, hearty meals and how to, how to cook them. So I, I, I picked one. I thought Sophie's going to come around, you know, I'm going to cook for it. Valentine's Day, watch a film. It's going to be great. I mean, I picked this recipe that was, it said, you know, it says in there, like, should take 20 minutes. This said 20 minutes, right? It took me about two and a half hours, I think it was, by the time it was actually on a plate. So poor Sophie sat in the other room just watching telly, probably <laughs> facing her palms, thinking, oh, no, 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 no. But there was a time, the point of that story is that it was fine when I was a kid to be cooked for all the time. But there's a time when you need to learn if you want to grow and be a grown-up, mature Christian that you need to be able to feed yourself a little bit. 
A lot of the time, we think that the Bible should just be this super simple, clear, easy book where everything's just flashing at us in lights and we can't miss it. Like, like some sort of like, um, I was going to say like an Ikea manual for a building some drawers, but they are not clear and easy. They're horrible. But like as if something that's just set out point by point to try and make it really easy and just bite-sized, nice, easy for us to follow. But there's something um, in Scripture that we see time and time again, and you see in the Old Testament, you see in the New Testament, where there is something in the character of God where he wants us to seek him. We get surprised about this so often. I get surprised by this. I, like I was saying before, we can start this rhetoric of, all oh, if God really wants to speak to me, then it'd be clear and it'd be obvious. And, but God wants to be sought after. Just want one quick example. You see, Jesus came in the Christmas story as a baby in a stable. Not in chariots with processions of trumpets around him, like with a flyover of airplanes pointing at him. He came in this kind of hidden, kind of secret way where people had to seek after him a little bit. And this parable that we looked at, I think, shows brilliantly about how there is seeking involved. We need to be intentionally looking and pursuing God if we want to grow in him. And I hope that's what we want to do, to grow in God. Because that means to grow in life, to grow in love, to grow in hope, to grow in peace. So I hope we want to grow in God this morning. So what about these times that I said about when, when we read the Bible and it is a bit more difficult, it is, we're not, you know, it's not lighting up in front of our eyes. I just want to say this morning, first of all, basically we need to keep reading it. We know that. You know, I know, all right. We need to keep reading it. We need to just keep reading it. The way this was once explained to me by someone who I can't remember a long time ago, and stick with me on this analogy, is that it's like putting fish in your pond. I don't like fish, right? I don't like fish, if you're here last week. But this is like putting fish in your pond when you read the Bible. So when we read the Bible, every time we read the Bible, every time we read a scripture or memorize a scripture, that seems to be something that has been lost at some point over the years, I don't know why, that used to be a really big thing, memorizing scripture, I need to get that back really, but every time that you uh, read scripture, it's like putting a fish in your pond, Blop. put a fish in your pond, read scripture, fish in the pond, fish in the pond, because there will come a day at some point where you need to catch a fish, and it's a lot easier to catch a fish when you've been putting fish in your pond and there's a lot of fish in the pond. Okay? There's going to be times in life where it's not going well, where it's difficult, where we're, we're struggling, where things are not very secure at work, where relationships are going wrong, and we need a word from God. And it's at those times we draw from what we've been putting into ourselves for the months and the years previous to that. So when these things are going on, you might be able to have you know, John 3.16 knocking around in there, and that's brilliant, but wouldn't it be great if we've got just a wealth of, of, of God's words that he's spoken to us that we can draw from when we're going through these times? Just an example of this for me just a few weeks ago. I was, um, I was at work, and that, um, the, kind of the, the, that morning and a few days before that, I'd heard a few bits of... Um, news which wasn't nice news and I was feeling just I was at work my head was just thinking about all this stuff not very nice things that were going on so I went for a walk at lunchtime just for a bit of a pray just to try and get my head into gear and as I was walking this little um, phrase just popped into my mind and it was it was something of darkness is like light to you 
And it just popped in my mind, and I thought, that's not a scripture that I was particularly aware of. Like, um, it's not something I've done a study on or anything like that, but just this little phrase, darkness is as light to you. So I'm walking, I, I think I googled the, the, just that phrase to see, where, where have I heard that from? Where's that come from? And it led me to, it was from Psalm 139, which um, in this, um, I was reading it then, and in this passage, David is being just overwhelmed by all kinds of things that are happening in life. It's, and he says, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And I was reading it, and in this, David is just feeling like the darkness is going to overtake him. It's just going to be dark everywhere. But he says, no, there's a light that shines brighter. Even the light, even the dark is as light to you. Do you know what I mean? That's not a scripture that I'm aware that I've done a study on. I can't think that I've particularly, I mean, I've, I've, I've read it at some point. I've, I must have read it and that phrase somehow stayed in my, my pond. And in that moment of what was happening in that day, that verse, that word from God was such a blessing to me. It was such an encouragement. And all the stuff since then, that, that verse is kind of framed Everything else has happened. Just this truth that all the darkness that there might be in the world, all the stuff that can just feel so heavy and dark, that there is a light that shines brighter. But had I not read that verse at some point, whenever it was, that wouldn't have been there for me. <laughs> yeah, God could have, he could have led to me in another way if he wanted to, but maybe, maybe that just wouldn't have been there for me, that encouragement at that time. When your heart's posture, the posture of your heart, like the the direction of your heart is one of seeking. When we actually understand that we're meant to be seeking God, we find treasure all over the place. All over the place. When we actually live in our lives knowing that there are things around for us all the time, these treasures Something of God, something of God's word. We, we find these places walking down the road when we're just playing with the kids, when we're tidying up around the house. There are treasures for us all the time when the posture of our heart is one towards seeking. So if you want your ears to be connected to your heart, if you want your eyes, just what you read, to be connected to your heart, we need to seek him. We need to look for him. We need to read his word, fill ourselves with this word. It's difficult at times. It can be hard at times, but that's what makes it seeking. (laughs) That's what makes it seeking. If it's easy, it's not seeking. But God wants us to seek after him. And I'll come back to this point later on. But my second point that I want to make now is that we need to recognize its worth. When we are reading the Bible, this book, and we're hearing people read from this book, we need to, again, recognize the value and the worth of what is in these pages. Just a few quick scriptures just to fire through about this word. Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Ephesians 6, 17, um, it describes it as the sword of the spirit. 
And 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed. This scripture that we read, it's, got, it's like it's got the breath of God on it. It's how we know life. It's, it's our weapon. This can be our weapon. This book contains things that can be our weapon against things that happen to us in our everyday life. A few years ago, um, I pretty much began to use, read the Bible on my phone or on my iPad or something like that. I read it digitally, and that's, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not bashing that for a moment, but I was pretty much exclusively doing it that way. But I decided that I wanted to uh, actually get a, a physical paper Bible again. And there's a few reasons why I decided this. One was that I realized that my engagement with the Bible was reduced um, when I was reading it on my phone than when I was reading it in on an actual paper book. That might just be me, might be, I don't know. But I found my engagement um, was, had, had reduced, um, partly because this can be really distracting and there's a lot of stuff going on this phone and um, I couldn't, I, missed, I found that I missed underlining things. I missed writing things um, by scriptures. I missed scanning through my Bible and being reminded of something that God spoke to me about um, a few months ago, a few years ago. And be reminded of if I was reading my Bible. Um, and just so many distractions were on my phone. The other reason that I decided to do this, and this is probably, in some ways this was bigger for me at the time, was at the time Sophie was pregnant and we were about to have um, Hugo. And I just decided I wanted Hugo to grow up seeing his dad reading the Bible. <laughs> I was really blessed to have that. I remember growing up and I saw my mom and my dad's Bible around the house. I can even now, I can see my dad's Bible, I can see it, and it was worn out, and it had things underlined, and things written in the margins, and it was something that he read, I knew he read it. I don't want my my boy growing up just seeing me just on my phone, because I could be on, you know, reading the news, watching Netflix, whatever it could be. I just wanted to create a culture that the word of God in my house is recognized as being something different and something separate to anything else. Again, I'm not bashing the Bible on a phone. Some of you are using it this morning. I still use it. You probably see me using it at times because it's convenient. It's good. It's handy. It's there all the time. Loads of, I'm not bashing that for a minute. I think it's brilliant. But for me, it was just a little part of my journey of, again, recognizing the worth of this book. The problem, I think, of an app is that it can become just another app. If I open up my phone right now, you know, I've got all my photos and there's my music, calculator, calendar. And then on page two, as I scroll, I've made a little folder called reading. And in there, I've got like a Kindle app. I've got some different blog things and news article things. And then I've got one called Bible, which is great. But it It's dangerous, I think, when it just becomes another app or when it just becomes another book. We need to, again, go back to recognizing that this is different. This contains words of life. This is our weapon. This book. So we need to, again, recognize the worth and the value. In the parable that we read, The man, he found something, but then a key little bit of that parable was he recognized this is worth something special. And that's what triggered him to then go away 
and do what we're going to talk about next. But he had to recognize this is of worth. If he didn't recognize the worth of that pearl that he found, the treasure, he'd have just carried on searching around, searching for something else. He could have found, you don't know what he could have found. But he recognized that he found something of worth. Third point that I want to make this morning. So what have we had? We've had that we need to look for God's word and seek after him. We've, uh, we need to recognize the worth and the value of his word. And now the third point is a word called appropriate. We need to appropriate. This is not a word I was particularly familiar with, I don't think, till relatively recently. But this is about, uh, what this word means, it's about applying something to ourselves. It means um, taking something that's already ours, we've got it, but actually setting it aside and making it our own. So the best definition that I found was appropriation does not necessarily mean to gain something new, but to set aside for our practical possession something that already belongs to us. Okay, so we have this word. I've got it all, you know, we've all, a number of us have got it here. It's been given to me. This is God's word that he has given to us. So again, we've heard people talk from it. We've read it. We've watched videos on it, listened to podcasts on it, all this kind of thing, which is great, but it needs to be appropriated. (laughs) Appropriated. It sounds very proper, doesn't it? This needs to be appropriated. So in the parable again, this man, he found something. He recognized it was valuable. He didn't just, it wasn't just a matter of taking it then. He hadn't had to go away and do something so that it could be his. In the parable, it said that he sold everything that he owned so that he could buy that pearl or buy the field that that treasure was in. He had to go away. He had to appropriate it, which was doing something to make what, what was already in his hands to actually make it his and a part of him. So what does this look like? This means claiming what God has given you. It means applying it. It means confessing it. It means speaking it. Okay, so back to my story of when I bought my cooking book and I learned to cook. I bought the book. Okay, I could have read through all those different um, recipes, could have looked at all the pictures. I could have even, maybe could have even gone to the shops and bought the ingredients. I probably could have gone onto YouTube and found videos of Jamie Oliver cooking this food and showing me how to, I could have done all of these things, but I needed to do it for myself. I actually had to cook. And yeah, it was chaos. Yeah, it took two and a half hours. Yeah, I burnt one of my pans to a crisp. I set smoke alarms off. It was chaos, but I did it. Okay, and I cooked this same meal, I think it was last week, and it was all done and dusted within half an hour, and I didn't even need to use the recipe, because I'd kind of made it my own by this point, because I'd I'd appropriated it. I'd taken what was given to me, and I'd made it myself, for myself. I'd taken it one step further, and this is like, rather than just being in my ears or my eyes, but it, it goes deeper into your heart. So God has given us his word, but it needs to be appropriated. So just a couple of just random examples of what this looks like, because some of you still have blank faces. Um, just one scripture that I just pluck these out, really. Psalm 18. OK, so we can read this. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn, my salvation, my stronghold. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we can, you know, we can go off to work. That's, that's one way that we could read the Bible. Another way 
when we read the Bible, is when we're going through a difficult time, when there is instability in whatever way, in our work, in our family, if we feel like we're being rattled in some kind of way, we go, the Lord is my rock. That's appropriation. Do you mean that's, there's difference? The Lord is my rock. No, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. And this is sometimes how I'm shouting. You don't need to shout. I'm shouting now because I'm making a point. But it's like, no, the Lord is my rock. My career is not my rock. My bank account is not my rock. My relationships are not my rock. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. Tom, come on. The Lord is your rock. And you say it and you're preaching to yourself and you're taking what's been in your hand the whole time, but it's going from your ears into your heart you're taking ownership of it it's becoming part of you the Lord is my rock there's a difference isn't there <laughs> there's a big difference between the two what about Joshua twenty-four, fifteen? but as for me and my household we will serve the Lord okay as me and my household will serve the Lord I've even seen Christians with this on a nice little plaque in their house which is great but there's a difference between when you claim that as for me and my household we will serve the Lord I don't care what next door are doing. I don't care what the other family are doing. I don't care whether it's, whether it's a counter, counter-cultural or whether it's against group thing. I don't care. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you appropriate it. You, you take it for yourself. So one more quick one. Isaiah 54, 13. All your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. We can either read that. It's just something that happened in the Old Testament. All your children will be taught of the Lord. Or even no. No, this is the word of God to me. I've got it in my hand, but I want that. All your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Some of you need to take hold of scriptures like this as promises So it's not just a word in our hand, but it's a word in our heart. And this all kind of comes back to that sense of seeking after God, of pursuing him for something. So why do we seek? We seek because when we've had to battle for something, it becomes part of us. When we've had to battle for something, it becomes part of us. You know, you've seen it. You know, like I don't know, Andy Murray, when he wins Wimbledon, he will drop to his knees. He'll be in tears because he knows the cost that's been involved with it. In some way, he gets the trophy, he gets his name on that board at Wimbledon where it says the winners. And that's, you know, I'm sure that's wonderful for him. But it's more he knows he's worked hard for it. He's battled for that and it's paid off. Some of you just a few weeks ago might have done Easter egg hunts for your kids or maybe you had Easter egg hunts when you were younger. So in Easter egg hunts, we hide the eggs, but we don't hide the eggs so they can't be found. <laughs> That's just mean. That would, be the, you, that would make, if you did that, right, you need to go and have a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror. Your poor kid's still walking around, I don't find the egg. <laughs> All right, you don't hide eggs so that they can't be found. You hide the eggs so that they can be found. <laughs> And that's what happens with this scripture. Sometimes God hides things. He hides things. On another hand, there's there's another talk where God makes things quite clear and he's very practical and he's accessible. Yeah, that's a talk for another time. But sometimes God hides things. But it's not so that we can't find them. It's so that we can find them. So that when we do find them, we... 
it's more than just something that's just been dropped. So when we talked about, wouldn't it be great if it was just went in our ear and it automatically went to our heart? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Wouldn't that be great? But we'd be missing so much stuff. There are verses in this, in this word that have become such a, a blessing to me. Because it's, and it's all because there's been times where it's been really hard to read some of the words. There's been times, just the scriptures that I just read, for example, about God being my rock. There's times where I didn't feel like I had a rock and I had to read that word. I had to, even when it hurt and when it was hard and when it was difficult, I had to keep saying and believing and speaking to myself, the Lord is my rock. Until suddenly it's something far more deeper. And when you've had to battle something, battle for something, it becomes part of us. So this parable that we read, the ultimate challenge of this passage, I think, is are you all in? Are you all in? Are you wanting to just come to church, go home, read your Bible and just have that like as a little slot in your life, just a little thing where you kind of come and listen with your ears and go home and read with your eyes? Or are you all in where you want to pursue and chase the things of God? The man uh, in this parable, he found the treasure, he went away and it said that he sold everything else that he had in order to gain this treasure. Now, I'm not saying, I don't think God is asking us to go home today and uh, put everything that we own on eBay. I don't think that's particularly the message of the talk. But here is a man in this parable that was all in. He was all in. He saw something of such worth. This treasure, that he was willing to give everything else up for this treasure. All the, the inconvenience of seeking, all the inconvenience and sometimes feeling daft when he's appropriating. He had to appropriate it. But here is a man who was all in. So as we close, Tim, if you just want to come up again. We're just going to come back to that same question again. Are your ears connected to your heart? Are your ears connected to your heart? These words that you've heard this morning, that you read in the Bible, are these just words? Are they just thoughts? One of many thoughts, one of many ideas? Or is it something more? Are your ears connected to your heart? The challenge from this parable is... Jesus is asking, do I have your heart? Do I have your heart? But the other question, you know, are you all in? Are you all in? So say now it's really, really, really it's easy. So it's easy. We could we could easily just go, you know, right, so I'm going to read five minutes of the Bible every day. I'm going to read the scripture. And I'm to, but there's more than that. It's about seeking. It's about taking these words, these promises, 
and applying it to all the stuff that's going on in this room this morning in our life, the stuff that's been going on this week, the stuff that's worrying you, the stuff that's concerning you, those thorns that we looked at last week. A weapon against those things sometimes requires us to recognize that these words have power, but they need to be appropriated. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.